1: Welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture. Michael Hanfler and Michael Sidgwick here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. Winter is coming. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2 but- Oh! Babyviews premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, they're joined by handful and Sidgwick to review AEW Dynamite Winter is Coming. And i am I just in a really good mood, Sidg? Because today is, of course, the What Culture Christmas Party. Or oh, is this show absolutely bloody excellent? The show was absolutely bloody excellent. This is back. This is AEW mm. back.
2: This is the detail. This is the thought. This is the sheer, like, uncut magic that this promotion is capable of spread beautifully, sequenced elegantly across the entire two-hour duration. This is fantastic. Yeah. Winter is coming and
3: so am I. Because I still can, science fans. <laughs> it's the content of the semen, not the actual semen excretion itself.
1: Also that's not why he's been off the last couple of days. Yeah, yeah, nothing to do
3: with unrelated things. Um I couldn't agree more with what Cedric said. Detail was the thing I kept going back to on this show. We talked over the desks as we always do about dynamite, good and bad. And you just kind of, you know, almost like a arms race to point out your favourite little details of a show that was absolutely full of them. Um, this is going to be the usual thing whenever it's me and Siz doing the ups and downs of the article. If you read it on whatculture.com forward slash WWE, it's going to be loads of repeated takes from me today. However, it's so fun when it's a good episode like this, luxuriate in them. I couldn't. I, I was so excited to get going, just getting all my thoughts out onto the page because the show gave you so many, and that's. Kind of the expectation, that's the bar for AEW, isn't it? We always talk about like the different expectations and this one this one hit our very, very high expectations for what the show can be when it's at its best.
1: We made a few predictions on the Dynamite preview yesterday. Some of them were way off, if I'm perfectly honest, but uh, you predicted how this show would start and actually I think you've recorded it, haven't you, on your phone and uh, we can play to dive into our review.
2: Uh, boom, let's go, ignite. i with a cock in a flash of light, bring the boom, dynamite, Run. smash the night, hell, you know what that means, it's uh, sitting and catering for old Jim Ross, this old Okie's on Rampage again, carry on my way. carry on my way, what's on? Until I go. <laughs> so that's how it started, because yeah, it yeah, yeah, started with the, the, the intro that it always starts with. Can we do that in the podcast? Is that like for,
3: I, for you, you yes, fair for that that use? That it yeah, it's fair right, yeah.
1: That's and
2: then it did start with um, the elite making their entrance first. Yeah. I did. And a
1: sign that says who farted. I kept bobbing out
2: for some reason.
3: It kept showing up. Kenny Omega pointed at that fan. And I'm sure he was going like, it wasn't me, it was you. <laughs> but I could see the who farted bit. So unless he had a two-sided who farted sign, there was something on the other side. <laughs> I like, I'll go back and check. Because if you pinched his nose, he's blinged it in. Well, you
1: smell it, you do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was the uh, fourth match in the Best of Seven series, the Elite versus a Death Triangle. Um, and yeah, as always, a load of fun, this um, story. This match, though. Um, Back and forth, you know, fast action, as always, as we expect from these six brilliantly talented men. Uh, And then the elite all-hit dives onto Death Triangle on the outside, and Nick Jackson comes up holding his ankle. Pac's getting worked over by Kenny Omega and Matt Jackson, and suddenly the doctor is checking on Nick. Um, I think Pac's going for a German on Matt Jackson whilst this is happening. And uh, Matt's holding to the top rope, so Phoenix does his tightrope walk thing and kicks him, and then Penta hits a step-up sling blade on Omega. But as we go to break, Nick Jackson is being taken to the back, uh, effectively making this trios match a handicap match. When we come back, Matt Jackson's been isolated, but he makes the hot tag to Omega, who runs wild to a great reaction. He uh, hits You Can't Escape on Pack. That gets a two count. Uh, all of Death Triangle get hit with Snapdragons. Uh, Omega goes for his Terminator dive, but gets tripped up by Pack, who hits a slingshot cutter. Pack flips out of a German suplex, but then gets dropped by a Brain Buster by Kenny Omega. Omega goes to tag in Matt, but then Penta takes Matt out with a fear factor on the apron. You said they haven't been doing much apron stew. They've yesterday. been withholding. I know what they're doing, these boys. Uh, Phoenix hits a reverse <laughs> Spanish fly. Penta hits main Penta. Phoenix. Phoenix gets a two count off an inverted frog splash, but then uh, Pack misses the black arrow and suddenly eyes turn to the top of the ramp where Nick Jackson is pushing away doctors and limping his way back down to the ring. He comes in, makes the tag, runs wild, Lariat's a midair cutter on Phoenix, but then Pack takes the ref, Nick goes for a super kick, Phoenix blocks it and Penner smashes his ankle with the hammer. Phoenix doesn't seem too pleased about it, but... Ah, he'll take it. Puts him in an inverted knee bar. Pat gets Omega, uh, or prevents Omega from uh, breaking up the submission, and Nick Jackson has no choice but to tap out. Um, Death Rangle will go 3-1 up in the series, uh, and following the match, Omega gets on the mic and says, look, 3-1, it's a big deficit to come back from. Uh, but seems you like using the hammer so much. How about match five? All weapons are legal. Let's make it no DQ. I love Pac's face of like, cool, great <laughs> to this. Uh, what do you make of this opener, siege? I love this. And this was meant to be the match where the action was scaled back
2: because they are building towards like three ridiculous action-heavy matches. Obviously, they will have storytelling in. this is meant to... Build and build and build towards that climax and make you think that, oh God, can Nick Jackson even survive a normal match? Much less one where you could theoretically get all sorts of weapons hammered against that ankle of his. And yet the action was still incredible. It was still incredible. Like that Phoenix between the top and middle rope dive where he rotates after he's gone through it, Kenny Omega it, ate it. I never want to see a high flying um a high flying high five suicide dive ever again <laughs> he ate it he didn't look like he got he couldn't he could barely it was so imperceptible he was great with this with the car like with the cord as well he can't he can't even tell when his hands are like at the last second going up because his timing is that inch perfect his physical timing kenny omega is the best ever it just is like the v trigger his ability to make it look like he's not catching anything and just to subvert that um when he does telegraph something he does it for a reason when he was about to take the black arrow, you'll notice his uh, arms getting ready to brace, but he was doing that to outwit Pac because the, he was ruled out of the way. Mm. Just when he telegraphs something, it doesn't happen. When something does happen to him, that's really violent and the velocity is insane. He doesn't telegraph it because he's just, his sleight of hand is just absolutely unbelievable. I love the way they slowly did the injury. He didn't just immediately pull up. It was very sports-oriented. He didn't immediately do the flailing, melodramatic, histrionic pro wrestling selling. It was like an instant, oh, oh Christ, is he okay? Not in the middle of a best of seven. Like, if any time to get an injury, don't do it. And then, obviously, the more that it became an obvious story, beat, you kind of had that weird paradox where, all right, okay. Oh, he's just selling. That's good. Mm. But at the same time, right, I'm into the story now more than I was. But I thought they just very slowly like, registered what was happening in a very naturalistic way that I thought was great. Elsewhere, like, the action by design, again, wasn't as spectacular as in the first match, but I love how they're built on certain certain sequences, and just when you think you've done that one too often and it's maybe a bit contrived to begin with, they subverted in the build on the previous stories, like, the, Matt Jackson doing the... Uh, Overhead suplex, where he does the roll and roll and roll and roll into them. The way that he caught Phoenix for the first one was great. And I've seen it so many times where Penta just rushes into it and just, he does the doubler. And it's like, it's a bit contrived Mm. how he does that. It's a bit flying nothing-esque. The way they built on that spot this time was ingenious because he was going to break up the pin. Mm. And that's a reason why he would fly into taken a move from Matt Jackson, which he kind of does too often in these matches, but they worked a way around to get that spot in mm. and make it make absolute perfect sense. So this was great, and it promises something much better, and they've gone the route of the ultimate face three-peat performance, and if you look at all the basketball, like, thematic stuff around it, the idea of that to do with three-peat now to win the whole series is just... Beautiful basketball stove. There
3: was a lot of the in-ring stuff to appreciate and re-watch here, I think. Yeah, not as exhilarating as the first one and not as loaded with talking points as the Punk one or the Ramp War one. This was a very different proposition, but in being a different proposition, it gave itself its own USP, which every single match has had, and every single one will, there'll be a pull quote for every single match that you'll be able to just quickly reference from your Rolodex of these seven matches if you ever need to, and this one was obviously the injury and what it created after the fact. There was loads for me in this of the ones that Sidgwick's mentioned there. There was also the spot where um, Matt got, uh, sorry, Kenny got Matt to hold Pack so we could hit the Kataru Crusher because he's sick of Pack flipping and countering out of it. Yeah. Um, for the first time ever tonight, the Elite were just going to out-wrestle Death Triangle and be the best wrestlers. And then of all the ways that one of them could get an injury, it was by doing a cool wrestling move. For, oh, we're going to out them tonight. No cheating. No pissing around. Three-way dive. Let's go with the elite. Oh, God, I've twisted my ankle. So then the numerical disadvantage pulls them away from that strategy and they're on their way to losing again. And I thought that was really impressive how they were en route to winning this match through nothing but being the best wrestlers in the world and they were undone by their own ability. I thought it was a really nice touch because all the double and triple teams up to that point were them almost like flexing that they were still a stronger and better unit than Detroit. They know that and they were going to lead with confidence mm. and they were undone by that confidence to the point where... When Nick, like the timing of everything was really, like the layout was really impressive here. When um, Nick made his return, he didn't redress the numerical disadvantage because by then Matt was out and Kenny was nursing a bad shoulder. So they never regained the numerical advantage, even when it was back to three on three, which was important to how this match made sense and how we got to the stipulation for next week. Um, Kenny's promo was... Like, uncharacteristically uncool, I would call it, which I would put down to maybe the fact he was cutting it just after the match and he sounded knackered. And he was doing that thing where we're all guilty of this sometimes. When you want to get a bit of a neg or a dig in it sometimes at the expense of the thing you're trying to say Uh, and he was very keen to have a go at somebody for the way the show was laid out. I don't know who that was. Jericho, maybe. Like, that action was so good. Did his, like, did maybe Kenny was thinking did his match need a promo? Somebody on the show was cutting a promo that Kenny Omega fundamentally disagreed with when it was being formatted. Mm. The way he was getting his bits out. I was like, you and Punk are the same. Make friends and make money. Because, like, (laughs) he's one in the same, you see. Um, But otherwise, zero complaints to the match. And I can imagine some people are less than impressed with lifting the suspense out by announcing the rest of the stipulations, as they've done now. Like, we're there to the end. It's like, Sig nailed, escalated, done, work from the very beginning. Yeah, I did. Um, but, like, I can see why that's a problem. But I think, I don't know if I'm reaching it, I think it makes sense because of them announcing the no DQ for the next one like at this point they've kind of said we might not even need it but we're all better off for a lot now. Let's not pretend we are mates. Let's not pretend this is a gentleman's contest. Like that's out
1: the window. <laughs> love it if, if they're trying to win match 6. There you go. Well, but like I, I can understand why <laughs> like,
3: I could understand the criticism that well you're stepping up all of them blatantly to sell tickets or draw numbers like isn't that doing away with the believability of the series? But I feel like the, like the elite have lost patience with this this series having any sort of integrity at this point.
1: So, like, why not strap up the remaining matches even if we don't need them? I yeah. think maybe maybe I'm being a bit generous there, but that's how I took that. Yeah, no DQ for match five, false count anywhere for match six, if necessary, of course, and match seven, Escalera de la Muerte. I just wish someone could have called it.
0: Oh my God. I'm
2: pressing the button for my own brilliance. <laughs> and for the
1: Drop the Taz button. Give, treat yourself to a Taz. Yeah. Oh, well.
2: Like, who called the fact that it was going to close with Escalera de la Muerte? Did I do it? On November 20... Oh, bingo! I did. One more thing before we move on. Kenny Omega. So I
3: can find it on the Raph's box later
2: on. Just a <laughs> repeat of that over and over again, looping. One more thing before we move on very quickly. I love how they've very gradually shown you more and more of Kenny Omega. Like, these fans went mental for his brilliant stuff. Like, his... Um, you Can't Escape. I think that's the best one he's ever done. Yes,
3: agree. Oh, my yep. God. Yeah, he did, like, really the good. pack
2: sort of front flip... Kip up With someone on his shoulders Because mm. sometimes Even in his best It's so hard to do that He wobbles a bit like, Even in 2017 He was doing that This is oh, oh, yeah. oh my god He has to work it Like appearing to be A bit physically goosed
3: By the nature of the move Doesn't yeah. he So he has to do both He has to look like Super cool and awesome But like This is physically tiring yeah. I'm flexing But I'm, it's knackering me out actually. Yeah looked awesome. But he
1: nailed that one Yeah uh, so later on in the night, of course, it's winner takes all: MJF versus Ricky Starks for the title and the beautiful diamond ring. We get a promo backstage from MJF, uh, just showing what he could have done to Ricky last week, in my opinion, because uh, he says, "Oh, well done on a great promo last week, Richard. Uh, star-making performance." But then again, when I showed up on Dynamite first time, I was already a star, so I'm not bothered. Uh, <laughs> I'm batting all hits, no misses. Just like me in the batting cage at lane seven later on. Uh how oh, many hits? That's gonna haunt you tomorrow, that. Oh, I'm gonna be rubbish. <laughs> but I'm still gonna have a lovely time. Home run! <laughs> Homer! Touchdown! Well born. Single tear rolling down my eye. How many hits has Ricky made? Anyway, back to Maxwell. Uh <laughs> just seeing what he did there. <laughs> the Mr. <list of> pens, <laughs> The funniest. Or the heel, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, at 26, MJF is the most talked about person in... Oh, I've forgotten what he said next. This... Was it this something? Yeah, I think so. It was this... Uh, <laughs> uh, you're welcome for the rub, Rick. Uh, talks about uh, uh, Ricky Stark's upbringing. Moved to the dumpster fire <laughs> known as Texas, which gets a pop, obviously. Um... He he has to live in his car, blah. MJF doesn't care about all this. None of it matters. All that matters is if if you are or you aren't champion. Uh, And, of course, all you guys love Ricky. You relate to him, but uh, instead of fixing all the problems that you've got, you just complain. You all suck. Then there's me. Did did I have it easy? Yeah, I did. I was born rich, hot, funny, witty, pretty, and better than everyone. (laughs) Want to talk about pressure? I haven't got any. I'm already the guy. You know, everyone hates on me. Everyone wants to see me fail. No one's rooting for me. So technically, I've got no one to let let down. But Ricky, well, everyone wants him to win the big one. Friends, family, gods. Can he do it? Or will he let everyone down? That's pressure. And tonight, we're going to hap- we'll find out what happens when pressure is applied to the pebble. Will he turn into the diamond everyone claims into me? Or will he simply turn to dust? This is tremendous. Like, the, the flow
2: of the witty, pretty, handsome stuff was absolutely tremendous. There was a a bit of this promo as well that I would describe as dwayne him, Like, very, very The Rock, but in the best possible way, it didn't feel like cosplay at all, where The Rock used to do this thing where it used to, like, mock someone else having, like, a pity party, but then do an insult buried in it. I'm sorry that I was born with a big bobblehead. That was too big for my (laughs) shimmy tiny body. Just absolutely great stuff. I love that. This was fantastic stuff
3: from MJF, as you would expect. But as usual, he drops uh, a detail in there that yeah, he's, he's. you the heel John Moxley, he's telling you what's gonna happen and then it happens. And yeah, like, oh you prick. Like him not caring about uh Ricky Stark's story and the struggles and like that's foreshadowing. Well, I will just kick you in the bollocks to win. Like I like I'm very, very proud of the easy route I've had my entire life. Life kicked
2: you in the bollocks and so shall I. Yeah, mm. I will I
3: will continue to take this easy route because it, it's worked for me. Look at me, for God's sake. And he's done it. Between this, the Ricky Stark's promo and the Jericho match, which obviously we're all very excited to talk about, this was the best possible way to make this main event as big as it possibly could be they were all knowing in how there was going to be like very little suspense unless all the wrestlers searched for it and between last week's promos this week's and the match later on they did the best possible job of a very
2: difficult task and I was like super impressed with it. Throughout the show they kept going back to this is the main event Mm. this is big this is them prepping for the main event this is them selling you on the main event and it's quite atypical of A, because it could just kind of happens. So I just thought this was a nice, quiet way of making mm. it feel more important. That's so, right, yeah, because the camera showed Ricky Starks
3: doing his last-minute warm-ups and MJF texting while he was getting a massage, yeah. and it's even that plays to what they've just been saying in their promos yeah. as well.
1: Yo, listen, the Acclaimed are on their way to the ring. Max Caster's rap references, uh, Brittany Grimer uh, and Elon Musk. And it looks like we're going to get, yeah, a little bit of a party with the Acclaimed and then, oh, who comes out to ruin it? <laughs> Satnam Singh gets his hands on him. Jay Lethal, Sanjay Jupp. Jeff Jarrett, of course. Uh, Castor tries to fight back, but he's held in the ring by the rest of them as Jeff Jarrett lines him up and clatters him with a guitar shot. He grabs a mic. He goes, oh! <laughs> on microphone. <laughs> Just do it before the mic, Jeff. Steiner-esque. Uh, and then says, says this this slap nuts?
3: Oh my God. It is so fitting that it's Jeff Jarrett of all people that has given me... So like I've often had to eat a lot of shit when it comes to AEW for the things that I don't like that go down incredibly well in buildings, where it's like, you know what, subjectively not for me, but objectively look at it. Jesus Christ, the fans going nuts. Like I can't, I, even if I don't like it, I can't argue it. The thing I like the goddamn most is now generating such supreme levels of heat that I can say, well, you were all wrong, actually, in your Jeff Jarrett takes. Oh, he's he's going to ruin your fame." You sure you're boring in cells. Because look how look at the reaction he got. Like, they absolutely hated him. The F.U. was in response to him getting them from other people. Like, the guitar's over forever. It is. like I know, guitar I, shot as I well. I know it never draws a dime, but, like, the noise, the visual, the whole oh thing. Is, is, oh, God, city. It's awesome. Max Caster being the one in particular to be shut up. Like, Jeff Jarrett's going to take a microphone in the head or something like that. You know, like, there's that sort of... There's the the comparison between the characters almost. He's loudmouthed and he's going to take one for the team. They're going to lose. The acclaimed um, need opponents like this. It's not that dissimilar to the Stark situation. You need opponents that you can win to build up the prestige of the reign where there's going to be little doubt about the result. But out of nowhere and I wouldn't have even said this as the biggest Jarrett mark the heat for this is apparently going to be out the ass because this segment went down an absolute treat this crowd were great but this segment went down a treat in the building which lets me know that the suspense on the night that these absolute bastards could beat your favourite team is going to be awesome I have zero worries about
2: this when even I wouldn't have booked Jeff Jarrett in a tag title match beforehand this is just tremendous mm-hmm. like as basic as it gets as carny as it gets playing the hits all over someone's skull perfect and I love it how I discree, I don't think he was getting those chants, but he was he tried to do it off mic oh. so that when people chanted it at him, it was trying to do the tiny balls thing, except yeah. Jeff jarrett has got talent, unlike the Miz, <laughs> so that he actually summoned the reaction he was looking for. But because he's Jeff Jarrett, he kind of uh, said the he literally said the quiet part loud. He literally said the quiet part loud to get that reaction. But you got the reaction. He's such a carny that he should have his own ITV
3: X Factor shiny floor show called Jeff Charles has Got Talent, But yeah. it's just him going out every time and trying different things with
2: judges with buzzers.
3: i buzzer, hit the golden buzzer them. every time.
1: He it's just, it's just, just guitar shots them if they're not yeah.
2: really good. Speaking of light entertainment, have you heard the buzz about the new reality show that's about to drop? What's this? Right. Milf Island. Got, what? Milf Island. So, careful. Oh,
1: my God. Hang on. Oh.
3: Yep. These nuts. Yep. That's so everything. So many of these buttons related to this. And he's only said a title. Yay! <laughs> oh,
2: <God. laughs> Go on. Well, it's funny you press that button because it's not the production you obviously want it to be, you pervert. Yeah, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Shut up.
3: Microphone did the bit for you.
2: It's Milf <laughs> Island. 25. Sexy older women. Looking for a young man to match their high sex drives. The twist is, the men on the island—it's all everyone else's son.
1: <laughs> oh my oh! god, it's incredible! So, like,
2: it's like, say, one of the mills has got <laughs> one of the mills. <laughs> one of the twenty-five mills there's twenty-five, <laughs> but like, they're all each other's sons. That's amazing, and the moms don't know at the moment. They don't know, but that's the twist when they descend on MILF Island. Oh, God. <laughs> I have to watch this, man. Yeah, nah,
3: episode one's going to be a, But, like. Was uh, this BBC One? A, a <laughs> <laughs> episode one amazing. Episode two to finish. It's like, well, the twist has been revealed. Yeah. Nobody's going
2: to, like. You ever want to start shagging them? Not their sons. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, they strike up a friendship. They strike up a friendship with, like, <laughs> one of the other MILFs, right? Yeah, I, and then... It's like, well, you can't, because he's my son. Yeah, like, yeah. Can't I? Well, I know, but Jared's pretty hot. <laughs> <laughs> you don't understand
3: our connection, Mom.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to watch it. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Should <laughs> we review it? Yeah? Jared, what are you doing up? It's time to go to bed. Actually, Mom. i
2: to sing my gig. <laughs> <laughs> It's not going to be the wrong ones. That's
3: <laughs> it's actually called Milf Island. I hope so. <laughs> I really hope so. At this point, we have to Google it. We cannot find the show. Sufjan had an incredible lucid dream, and he's just manifested a TV show. Like, yeah, that was it. That was it. Right now. that was it. Lucid dream. <laughs> no more wrestling podcasts. Anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, we've uh,
1: we've nailed the next reality TV. <laughs> yeah. Right, the JS are backstage. <laughs> Jericho's pissed. that um, uh, He's obviously oh he lost the title at uh, Final Battle. He says the giant swings barbaric. It should be banned, and he's going to take his frustrations out on some jobber tonight because he's still the Ocho in a tune-up match.
2: Yeah. Great bit of foreshadowing. Mean, I knew something was up here. I didn't know what. Obviously, I'm not that prescient, but I thought, oh, it's going to be a surprise because inaction suggesting you don't know who it's going to be, or he's going to. It's going to be more competitive. He's going to try and make a star. Another doing this. Mm.
1: Uh, and then Tony Milf says, Manor.
2: Milf Manor. <laughs> so it's not an island it's out. Yeah. <laughs> still does, <laughs> Still year, exactly. Still just sucking and f***ing. Like, no more swearing because we've got to be we've out had to one the party. Each, yeah. yeah, we've had one each. <sighs> oh,
1: God. That's fine. Uh, so uh, Tony says, uh, Tony, I think, you're uh, really enjoying this segment. Like, not showing it, but like being able to say, Chris, uh, you lost your title. That must suck. And then he's like, <laughs> oh, you're not know, the only one, Daniel. You lost your title. Uh... And he asks him about losing the pure title. Before Garcia can answer, Jericho takes the mic and says, yeah, yeah, you really shouldn't have lost that title. Good bit, that.
3: Like, same as when he did the uncles and
1: brothers. Yeah, deal. yeah, like, yeah. Good bit, like, completely ignoring the hypocrisy mm-hmm. right in front of him. says, uh, I think you need some mentoring. So moving forward, you're going to have to shadow your elder T-Pain. No, Sammy Guevara.
3: <laughs> uh, I, like, so I gave this segment a down, despite the brilliant foreshadowing of the Jericho match to come later. I don't really want Sammy Guevara mentoring Daniel Garcia because I think it's still um, it's a continuation of a thing that they dropped cold. I feel as a viewer, I was asked to stop caring about this. Daniel Garcia developing into something different. Blackpool Convict or whatever, he just disappeared out of the programme. He was replaced, if anything, actually, by Sammy. And maybe now that Sammy Guevara was the replacement for that a month ago. They want to try and work that into the story, and they were just waiting to get the belt off Garcia. But this is that thing where like, well, you could have told me that as a viewer of the show every week. You could have given me clues that Garcia was still to be figured in because I didn't like it. And they used this, an otherwise kind of good segment, to try and do... We were talking about this one and so do the... Uh, it's definitely finished. Blackpool Combat Club. Other than this match, which will which will confirm in fact that this chapter of all of our lives is co- is concluded with another match. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how books end. Like with a oh, what's this
2: last page it's called, it's called an epilogue mate? Oh my god, another book. <laughs> it's called an epilogue. I I, I wish. I'm not defending it. I'm just doing a bit. This is silly. They yeah. had to say it so that they like, said even Moxley said it, didn't he? Yeah, he right. said it beforehand. Yeah. They said it tonight to just tie your ball around the whole goddamn thing, it's finished. And they had to say that and what an indictment of how long it went. They wanted to preempt people saying, oh God, I can't believe it's still on. By saying, oh, it's finished, ex- except for this. Yeah, yeah. So just don't do the this. Yeah. See, uh, remember the Seth Fiend match
3: in Saudi Arabia? Like the graphics, Seth Rollins versus the Fiend, title rematch after telling myself This match cannot end for any reason at all. Yes. It's like Because they realize how badly they've yeah. up the first bit where it's like, you've got to put it out there.
2: And I understand, yes, they're trying to get Moxie on Rampage to spruce up the numbers. But they could have put the Elite versus Death Triangle this week on Rampage. Yeah. Like, for
3: that's what, that's what that was the other yeah. point I was going to make. I don't mind this conscious effort now week on week, to put something on Rampage that's trying to pull people back, you've got to do it for weeks and weeks and weeks to rebuild that trust. How did you land on Jericho, Preach Society, Blackpool Combat Club? I, I thought you wanted people to watch. Like, and, uh, you found a Moxley thing I kind of want now to do with. Mm.
1: Uh, then it was followed by Jungle Boy Jack Perry versus Brian Cage. This was that announced after our preview, of course. Yeah. Sort of last minute. The old G-little. Uh, it, <laughs> it was the
3: graphic drop in the opener, wasn't it? It was like, eh?
1: So, yes, as you probably would expect, Jungle Boy Jack Perry is using his speed because Brian Cage is a big, strong bastard, basically. Um, but they tell the story, of course, that Jack Perry is still suffering from Big Bill's attack. More on him in a little while. Uh, the apron power bomb you hit him with. Cage finally gets his hands on Perry. Uh, beats him up in the corner, hits his superplex from the apron back into the ring, which always looks great, and then does the bicep curls uh, with Jungle Boy, and a fallaway slam for Brian Cage takes us to a break. When we come back, Perry makes a bit of a comeback. Cage goes to the drill claw, uh, but Perry counters that for a roll-up, for a near-fall. He gets nailed with the lariat, but then counters the F5 into a destroyer and puts Brian Cage in the snare trap. You see Brian Cage tapping, but Prince Nana is uh, up on the apron taking the referee, so he doesn't see it. Cage gets out of it, because Perry's like, gets up, lets the move go. Tries a ripcord lariat, Perry ducks, Cage goes into Prince Nana and Cage gets rolled up by Jungle Boy for the win. Let's talk match first and then oh, let's talk post-match. This
2: was a pleasing, I'm in a good mood already, three and a quarter star, PWG, yeah, look what they're doing, match. That's my take on it, basically.
1: I was confused as to why they did the visual submission and then just had Jungle Boy win anyway. Well, do you know what? I've got more nice things to say about it than that. I thought
3: this was like quite an impressive piece of work uh, in just terms of a dynamite match that's there to advance... It's a Jungle Boy story rather than a Jungle Boy Brian Cage thing, isn't it? He's now beating big guys. He's toppled Luchasaurus. Yeah. He's just toppled Brian Cage. The giant slayer. Yeah, he's a giant slaying guy. And Christian Cage is not a man of physical stature, but he's got all this experience that, like... Jungle Boy is proving him. Jack Perry. He looks like
2: even more of a rat compared to these guys, is yeah. not he? <laughs> the,
3: the boy becoming a man is the whole point of this. Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, until the Jungle Boy is gone. So he's just Jack Perry. But he's becoming a man by leveling up and beating these guys that are so much more physically intimidating than he is. I felt assured that, like, Tony Khan's telling the truth this time, and Ring of Honor is distinguished from AEW. Otherwise, why would you strap a guy up and then beat him twice three days later? So, like, they are separate companies now. Mm. Like, that does not matter that he's a Ring of Honor champion because he can lose twice effectively. So I felt good about that. It's called Cage, so he's just beaten a guy twice called Cage. Like, I bit of fun with that, same name. Uh, and then <laughs> you're, you're setting up, you're setting up like Jungle Boy about to call another giant guy a big bitch. So like, how would you do that? Well, you give him the confidence because he's just tapped and pinned Brian Cage. Mm. He's got to have, like that could scan as that kind of like, is Jungle Boy really the arrogant baby? He's not the rock, is he? Like, is he an arrogant baby face, but he's got every right to feel like he can take him on? Like, take them all on. Like, I like this Jungle Boy development when I had no idea how they were going to make us wait for Christian Mm. Cage and it'd be interesting. I'm into into this. And I was into it more when we got the the payoff as well.
1: Yeah, so post-match, he gets the mic and says, at full gear, I beat Luchasaurus. Tonight, I've beaten Brian Cage. So now I want to face the biggest bitch of all. Get out of here, Big Bill. Instead of Big Bill, easily confusing the two, Stokely Hathaway came out (laughs) uh, and said, Jack Perry, Jungle Boy, you're pissing me off. I'm at the highest level of piss I love it. He says, look, you keep missing around, you're going to see two things. You're going to see the bottom of Big Bill's boot and the back of my hand, because you're a little... Oh! <laughs> so, Jack Perry, D- dies. I rewound that like
3: ten times. Yeah.
2: I was pissing myself.
3: Something, somebody from Sunderland's angry with you.
2: Oh!
1: Oh! So, Perry goes to go after him, but Lee Moriarty flies in, races down the ramp, attacks you him. You want me saying Mbappé?
3: He oh b- God. brawls <laughs> He's with gonna, him. Like, send that picture you were showing me the other day, aren't you, of his big face <laughs> yeah, after yeah. the evening game? He brawls, <laughs> he drawn, like crudely drawn stripes down oh, the right, a <laughs> <shirt>. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, brown hill though, yeah, though. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Done this. Um, so. Got Phil to Photoshop it before he got into work. <laughs>
1: Jack Berry's brawling with Lee Moriarty and then Big Bill shows up and just clobbers him with a big, just arm, basically. They beat him down. It looks like they're going to tear him to pieces then. When who should make this save but Hook? And you've got a name for that tag team, haven't hook? you? The Jungle Hook. Like, this company did Warjo,
3: so they can have that one for free and it's got to be that, hasn't it? Thunderstorm. Thunderstorm. The Jungle Hook. I'm it. confident that that's like, now that's out there. Like, they can have it. We borrowed the, uh, the opening... Montage of the show. We mm. use the exact, exact clips. So yeah, that yeah, feels like a fair swap, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. What do you make of Hook uh, making the save? And, and I know you love Stokely Hathaway, obviously. Yeah,
2: H- Hathaway's great. Rounded 10 times. So glad that he's he's had such a cursed run. Very erratic. Is he over? What's he doing? And now that he's really... He seems to be growing in confidence, as he should. He is unbelievable. Uh, more of this every single week. And Jungle Hook, great. I'm gonna show you a tweet later that puts it over, but like you've got two handsome young lads. This is going to be tremendous. The uh, the idea as well that the firm were unleashing
3: such violence that she said there should be music playing. R.I.P. New Jack. Yeah, like, yeah, a great that's Stokely Hathaway. Yes, getting conf getting confident, getting more comfortable. I think I like the firm as mid card sh- disturbers rather than anything to do with the main event. They too need, a bit like Stokely, they too needed to find their voice as an act. They're above, you can start seeing where they fit in in the tiers. They're definitely below what, like Death Triangle, who are the other monster stables at the moment? House of Black. House of Black, yeah. House of Black. But they're above the factory. So you can kind of see where they fit in. And once they've got a place, you can justify where exactly they should fit in as as threats and as trouble for the baby faces. So I I think they're starting to click as well. Mm. Big Bill rules. Like, I'm so glad to see Cass back and kick an ass. Like, because he was a kind of a bit of a favorite of mine in spite of his obvious limitations. But I don't think limitations are a bad thing in wrestling. You just lean on what people can do really well. And he can do this stuff really, really well. He looks incredible. And he's massive and, like, it does look cool when he hits a big boot. It's good stuff
1: Right, we have a Blackpool Combat Club promo backstage following all this. Uh, Moxley recaps what's gone on, obviously, with them winning all the belts back. Castagnoli winning the uh, Ring of Honor title. Utah winning a pure title. And Moxley to- choking out Takeshita on Rampage. Uh, Castagnoli says they'll show up everywhere. 2023's might, might think it's your year, but it's our year, really. Uh, Uta says if anyone wants a shot at this belt, uh, they can have it. I've got to basically die to take it off me. Um and Moxley says, "Yeah, cool. I'm going to stomp Sammy Guevara's face into a bloody mess on Friday." And uh, if Mo- Moxley says, "If Hangman Page wants to," well, he told him, Hangman Page, "You know where to find me, and bring your Dark Order buddies if you want."
3: Turns out you don't need William Regal because John Moxley is the absolute best. He's now added uh, John Cena, game show host, to his endless, <laughs> like, unlimited set of skill set within wrestling because that's what this was: loads of exposition, loads of right past future, all that kind of thing, and yet he was still brilliant. The condescending tone to his little Dark Order Buddies line. uh, In contrast, John Moxley like firing all cylinders at his physical peak, in contrast to Hangman Page having to cut a promo later on in response from a doctor's checkup, I thought was just absolutely sublime. This is exactly the guy who he should be. He's measuring the... uh, how heelish to be in this program without compromising the values that made him such a strong baby face, like only he can, to be honest. Uh, And this was kind of, he was a bit like, it's kind of like watching um, Bobby Heenan with the weaker talkers in the Heenan family because Willita and Cesaro are not bad, but you do kind of need Moxley to set stuff up for them sometimes. And I thought this was framed quite well in that regard. I'm feeling patronising.
2: Very
1: resourceful. Yeah. They know what they've got and how to manage what they have. Yeah. Uh, right, then we got a Swerve Strickland video um, running for what's happened with him and Keith Lee and especially obviously what happened at final ba- battle with him deserting Keith Lee. Um, obviously, it reverses what's happened before. They're going to have a big face off on Dynamite next week, which we'll preview on the Dynamite preview.
2: So good at conveying himself as a very sinister presence. This was tremendous.
3: Heels celebrating their sociopathic flaws, rules, actually. Yeah. Jeff likes Silver Spoon. Swerve chuckles and he's like, I can't have friends in this business. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's not something you should giggle at unless you're an awful, awful guy. Yeah.
1: And then it was time for the House of Black in action. And which poor bastards drew the short straw? It was the factory. Uh, You had uh, Aaron Solo, Cole Carter, Nick Comorato, QT Marshall, and Lee Johnson all out there, all about to get killed. Um, Comorato chucks his thing at Julia Hart, she immediately missed him. (laughs) What a visual. Yeah. Um, Buddy took Carter, I think. Brody destroys Solo so much. Malachi, by the way, whilst all this is happening, just sitting in the corner waiting to kill someone to close out the show, basically. Um, Brody King puts sits Solo down and hits a running crossbody onto the chair. Meanwhile, do you want to take this one? Buddy with uh, Lee and Nick. So who does he have on his shoulders to do his finish? I think he had Lee so and have- then Nick was on the table or the, maybe the other way around. I can't remember. But I remember what the
2: spot was. He has someone on his shoulders to do his finish. There is someone dragged across the table. The person on his shoulders, their head gets crushed into the other person's balls, (laughs) and then they go through the table as well. Like, such great, big, dumb fun. Ridiculous. I don't even know if that was the plan.
1: It's better if it isn't. It's just more chaotic. My only flaw. Well, you can go through the rest of it. Yeah, I was going to say, the complete antithesis of how we normally use this phrase, dot, dot, dot. And then the bell rang, and QT Marshall went, Wait, it's three on one. <laughs> Kitty Marshall, by
3: the way, is having the best run since he was dropping like space flying tiger drops on me. Yeah, like him, him selling. Oh, God, what trouble have I got myself in now stuff lately? Like was it when he did the pile driver on Dan on the stairs? Yeah. And he knew revenge was coming. Yeah. He's really, really, he's showing ass out the ass at the moment. And it's benefiting everybody he's working with. Yeah, nice no, chan- class QT.
1: I yeah. was chatting to Sid about this yesterday. I was given a, a list to do. I did the 10 most boring wrestlers of 2022. It's just a bit of fun, by the way. Don't take it too seriously. But on the list that I got given was QT Marshall. And me and Sidge were like, I'm not having that. Nice. Yeah. Very good at it. So I replaced him with Dexter Fair. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Um, So, yeah, (laughs) Marshall's like, well, I need a miracle here. And what I actually got was getting his head kicked off by Malachi Black. One, two, three. Uh, What was annoying here
2: is that I had raised expectation of the production, probably naive for it to kick into effect. I forget the fella's name, but, you know, the story about the heir apparent to Kevin Dunn, the guy who could change everything about WWE's production, who rose the ranks and kind of got sick of the politics Mm. and realized he wasn't going to get to the top, and he just left. But apparently, AEW signed the Air apparent Productions uh, being talked about yes. internally as the thing that could maybe visually, on a production level, get them to that next level of making it feel a major league. It's got obviously, on this evidence, going to take a while for it to get perfect. He can't do everything in under a week. But my God, what was the director thinking here? Brody King had positioned someone on a chair. He had telegraphed the very cool move he was going to do by barking like a dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just keep the camera on him, please, because they kind of missed it. I just saw a split second of someone getting crushed against his body in a barricade. Yeah, but he's
1: not gonna hit his before he knows the order that it has to go in.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was annoying that. But otherwise, what a great A squash. Yeah. Unbelievable from a body language, annihilation. These boys are gonna turn the elite heel after their big triumphant babyface recovery, redemption against Death Triangle, this act, they might have to have them talk spooky bollocks to get them back under because people are into this. Mm. They love the House of Black and with good reason, because this is great. The rest and reset has been perfect for this act. This,
3: had, this might be just too subjective for its own good, but this had all of what I loved and almost none of what I don't like about yes. the House of Black. Like, even, like, even the entrance sometimes, like, I like it as part of their package, I guess. But when there's, like, a lot of it, you're like, all right, get to the point, get to the ring. You know, like, I've, I've seen enough of this. Yeah. But even that didn't feel, like, over-egged. Julia Hart is awesome in this role as well. Like, she was profiled in just the right way. This They're as, they're as good as they've ever been. And I'm with Sige. I think that their elite thing might end up just, they might have to bite the bullet and try and do an all-babyface thing. Or have the elite, like, be the obnoxious versions of themselves and accept it. Because if that's the match, these are too cool. Brody King, especially. just He's getting too best.
1: cool to be, isn't he? Yeah. Like, uh, video package on Hater and Sheeta, who've got their women's title match next week on Dynamite. And then Renee Paquette was backstage with Britt Baker and Rebel. And Baker's like, yeah, it's not going to be hard for a hater to beat Sheeta. I did it, and I had a broken nose. So nice little development to the storyline there. And then Sky Blue comes out of nowhere. And by I know I mean one yard off camera. Whoa, where have you come from? Uh, she challenges <laughs> her for Rampage, and Baker says yes. I'm going to be kinder at the interruption this
3: week, because Sky Blue made a point of saying, like, you're talking your bollocks so loud that I could hear you from down the hall. <laughs> so this, like, like, Britt Baker was incandescent with rage that somebody dare interrupt her precious interview time. Not least somebody is low down on the pecking order of Sky Blue. Mm. But for the first time ever, Sidgwick's lift the ceiling off the building. It and It see people. I could actually see Sky Blue just walk into the vending machine. Is she fucking going on? I'm having a, I'm having a bit of that. I'm sick of her. Like, I could visualize it for once.
2: As much as I like that, they contradicted the way that they book matches because I think someone threw out a challenge. They threw out the no DQ thing and when they were running down the future Dynamite lineups and Rampage lineups, they said, now it's official, it's been sanctioned, it is going to be no DQ. When Sky Blue interrupted Britt Baker, this is very Landstorm, but I'm pedantic as well, and then she accepted the challenge, Baker that is, Renee Packard went, well, it's official for Rampage. Is it? Because I haven't heard (laughs) from Tony Khan, Actually.
3: Uh, then it was time for We should do the hierarchy one day, shouldn't we? We've got like, like people of power, like Tony Carr at the very top. Christian Cage, Christian Cage, Cage. Christian Cage, yes, like in so. Paquette, so we've got three now.
2: MGF's got some power.
3: Yes, he does, yeah. Kenny Omega, theoretically as a result of this.
2: And design. his EVP title.
3: Yeah. It's good. We'll get, we'll get, we'll get down to Larry eventually. <laughs>
1: uh, Chris Jericho versus some jobber who, and I looking, looking back on this, I think we all agree it was deliberate. Such a bloody loser, he doesn't even get a lower third graphic. Loved it from like Cedric,
3: uh, like, we don't, we've don't, we watched enough wrestling to know that tune-up match felt... Eh. But I wouldn't have picked him to win either. yeah. Even then, with that feeling of, like, something's happening, it, the graphic bit, uh, my honest thought was, poor bastard, like, you would have been able to scale that and make it his Twitter picture. That, like, my AEW graphic, I'm going to get bookings off this. yeah. So that's gone
1: in my mind. That's been planted in my head for later when it matters most, because... Well, we'll get to it, yeah, because it, it, the guy's name was Action Andretti. Uh, Less than 100 matches, I think, he's got in his cage match. So, should be straightforward for Jericho. Let's see what happens. Uh, And Jericho, despite the fact this, like you say, it's a two-nut match against some jobber, right? Keeps, like, pie-facing him, keeps cheating. There's a let's-go-jobber chant that breaks out. Uh, Andretti makes a bit of a comeback and you're like, very nice, okay, let's get the genius effects and blah, blah, blah. he gets, gets kicked down by Jericho. Uh, corner clotheslines, chops. Uh, Andre comes back though, head scissors into a spinning torneo. Uh, Jericho pops up, even more pissed off now that he's had to genuinely kick out at like one, but still. Um, hits a DVD, hits a code breaker, job done. And even Excalibur is basically halfway through saying, well, there's the match, coming up later we've got uh, you know Ruby Soho versus Tay Mello, and we'll be back after this. The thing is, he hits the DVD, he hits the code breaker, and kicks out. The sh- crowd are stunned. Huge pat for the kick out, first of all. Andex Gallop is going. Well, I guess we're going to picture in picture. Well, I can't mate, believe yeah, I'm is,
3: saying this. We're going to picture it's, in picture. This is so well oh.
1: done,
3: Sorry. and I didn't want them to. Oh, I'd like that. I my um I got on Stax's plane. I flew to America to watch it, you see. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I yeah. was like really squinting to watch the picture in picture because I just want to see the crowd come up even more. Yeah. Honestly, I was starting to fight. But yeah. Smart like that. Got
1: myself over to America for the old uh, TBS version. <laughs> so Andretti, I hate the Big Bang Theory, you know. Hate it. Awful. Andretti fires back with chops, and you're like, oh, this, this kid's got a chance. And then Jericho just eye pokes in. You're like, oh, okay. Um, flying forearm on from Andretti, though, clothesline, backbreaker, neckbreaker. Uh, Andretti could win this, goes up top, split-legged moonsault. Jericho gets the knees up, and, well, he it writes itself from here. Jericho sets up, misses the Judas effect. Andretti hits a springboard, sends Jericho to the outside, hits a springboard moonsault, gets back in. Andretti goes for another springboard, but Jericho gets him in the walls. of Jericho, or at least. Yeah, just gonna put it in. He gets rolled up, another oh, near fall. Andretti tries for a tilt a whirl into a DDT, changes it up, hits a standing shooter shooting Star Press. One, two, three. <sighs> Action Andretti shocks the world. The upset of the decade, I think they called it on the on commentary. He's pinned Chris Jericho. He quite rightly. Heads out of the ring, leaps into the crowd. Jericho can't believe what ha- what's happened. Later on, we found out he's got an, uh, actually, Andretti's all elite thing. This was jaw-dropping, Sige. Oh,
2: uh, my God. Oh,
1: my God.
2: This might have been the thing that was most booked for me on a show where Kenny Omega wrestled. <laughs> and, oh, uh, God damn it, right. Trying to accurately convey how happy I was to watch this, and this is how I'm going to do it right. My absolute favorite thing about professional wrestling in the year of our Lord 2022 is Tony Khan's deft booking, the detail, the imagination, right, and being correct about things. Those are my two favorite (laughs) things. My least favorite thing is bad faith, ignorant uninformed, brain-wormed, conditioned-by-WWE discourse where morons get everything wrong, okay? The thing I like the most made a fool of the thing I hate the least in one segment of television. Mm. Uh, he was action an <laughs> I don't know who he is.
3: I oh don't know who he is. I like, I like this guy. Yeah. <laughs> you like this guy?
2: Yeah. he's actually Nandretti. You're
3: lending voice to all the old bad reply guys. Yeah, Look, yeah, impressions. Yeah. He's a really good Stacks impression,
1: you
2: know. Right. Yeah. Oh, I I do uh, Yeah, yeah. He's it's a good Stacks. Have you have you heard his? Where are we going? Where are we going later on today?
1: We're going to lane seven. Ah, he's rubbish, man. We're going to do you know what we're going there for. We're going to celebrate Christmas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's <laughs> terrible, isn't <Christmas. laughs> is it? No wonder he hates him.
3: You know it's our sax doesn't like it. Get it
1: out the way.
2: Who's who's Action Andretti?
3: <laughs> That's every reply guy now.
2: Who? What's a casual fan meant to think of Action Andretti? What's a casual
3: fan going on heart?
2: <laughs> what's he meant to think? Of? So got that guy. Okay, yeah. right. What's a story? <laughs> <laughs> what what man As he
1: said that. yeah. <laughs>
2: What am I looking at? What's the story here? Yeah. yeah, why does he not like him? Why does he not like him? Why am I should be interested? Why is my <laughs> <laughs>
1: bike grow from his dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> is that the laugh? Is that the laugh? At bike in the grow? Oh. Oh. What's
2: the story? Why does he not like him? My <laughs> friend, my friends going to be confused by this. So,
1: <laughs>
2: so those people who I hate. It's
3: the sound of the metro set the food court. It is it's right? like just chats going on about like dynamite details they don't understand. <laughs> down in Nando's.
2: So those the worst people online, <laughs> right? Got their pants pulled down, <laughs> right? Yeah. Big, oh god! <laughs> Sorry, I got to go myself here. I'm popping myself <laughs> <sighs> a complete nobody that no one even knows his name to Google. Nope. He might not even come up on Google at this point before the match. Wrestles a match with zero story, zero build. It's cold. It's random. It's a formality. And then the power of masterful in-ring storytelling, the willingness and ability for like three to 4,000 people to get it, Without a video package, and they got it all right because this was masterfully told. I loved so much how they wrong footed me every step of the way here. All right, it's got something. I thought this match legitimately, before the picture and picture and the idea of going to it in incredulity, was tremendous. The, ah, they're going to reestablish a code breaker. That's good. I missed it when Ram Cody, very early in AEW, would win a match with a figure four, mm. and then he'd win a match with a cutter, and he thought, when he does these big match against MGF, all of these near falls are going to mean that a mm. bit more because he's won matches, evidently, demonstrably.
1: did it again with Danielson as well, didn't he? Yes, they?
2: Yeah. yes, yes, yes. I thought, oh, that's pretty cool because why not use the code breaker a bit more? Ugh! What I loved about this as well is that everything I tell you about noise on Raw or the complete lack thereof, this is why there should be noise. This is why matches are much better with loads of noise. It's one of the loudest things you'll have heard on TV all year. What I love most about it as well, actually, second beyond the fact that it just proved me right, is that, God damn it, these fans were very, very, like, ironic and performative at first, and that's fine. Any kind of noise is yeah. good most of the time. Exceptions to every rule. But it was loud and it was fun and they got into the spirit of what they knew they were about to watch. And it went from ironic and performative, but loud and fun and good, to... Ernest and awestruck, and they got so into it by the end on a very earnest level. Chris Jericho, this might be one of his finest achievements.
1: And he smashed the place up backstage. You enjoyed that as well after this match.
3: Yeah, like so many details to love, including of that. he um, he smashing things up with a steel chair, which is reminiscent of a tantrum he would throw when he was uh, turning heel in WCW in 1997. He's smashing barricades and ring posts with a steel chair. And of all the things to see, on top of one of them um, storage cases, there's a traffic cone which we know with Chris Jericho should be going on the head, and instead he smashes it with the steel chair. So it's almost like taking the tantrum from the WCW and the patter of AEW and just like putting them together in this moment of pure rage where he's obviously you know had one of his probably best nights in AEW ever. Um, really well worked. An incredible choice of a night to do this on because you are telling the fans an hour before, let's be honest, like one of the more predictable world title main events mm. you can run that tonight might be different. You know, this is the night where unpredictable things can happen. It's in the lot, air. Not a lot of people remember. We referenced this thing the other week on another podcast. The night that Razor beat The Kid was the night that Marty Jannetty beat Shawn Michaels for the Intercontinental title. So when you compare him one to one, you compare the other to the mm. other. It's like a title change you would never in a million years pick might actually occur. And it puts it in the air as soon as the fans are feeling it. Um, so that was super effective as well. The match was just, like, deliciously well-agented from, you would assume, Chris Jericho more than everybody else. I'm willing to give him credit that this is mm. more than anybody backstage. He would have been calling the shots here. Uh, and he has... Um, in terms of the comparisons to his Triple H year 2000, he's just out Triple H, Triple H, because Triple H did that for Taka and the Brooklyn Brawler, but he still won. Like, Jericho allowed himself to be beaten here. Yeah. And not just for how great this moment was, but for in six months when Ricky Stark is the next guy that doesn't get over with Chris Jericho. He'd be like, hey, guys, I did everything I could because I put over Action Andrade. Like, he's he set up his next three years' worth of podcast put-overs by, like, political... Like, I'm being a cynical prick there, but, like, Jericho's not daft. Mm. Like, a lot of what he's done here has been, like, like, over the last year, there's been some very shrewd political gamesmanship, like, over the, at the expense of the likes of CM Punk and for the prote- preservation and protection of himself, mm. this absolutely won't hurt him either. Mm. Um, I can love him and think he's a dickhead at the same time, which is definitely the case for Chris Jericho. So this was absolutely inspired as a
2: viewer, while ay, bastards played another blinder, hadn't they? Right. Two more things before we move on very quickly. One, I just love the idea of Tony Khan just surveying the toxic landfill that is Twitter and the morons that populated. <laughs> a small sample, again, I would, I would like to reiterate. It's always a small vocal minority. In Nando's, in the Metro Centre. Uh, aye. Mm. And just deciding, I'm going to wait until December 15th? 14th, yeah. 14th. Just going to bide my time and just show, prove they're all wrong. It's like two bad takes and one put an axe through it.
3: This is not a bad take, but something else he's just addressed here. Remember the first... The f- I always forget, it was the first I count, not the Kenny and Pac match. Yes, in the and first, first Obviously, ball. when it was done super effectively in the Punk MJF thing with Captain Sean Dean. Um... I think it's a reasonable criticism that sometimes his matchmaking is obvious winner, obvious loser. But here he is yet again subverting that to remind you that on any given week anyone can yeah. win. Yeah. So he might line up five obvious winners a week, but this could be the week. Like you, sh- you can never yeah. forget that because we have
2: he, about every sort of six to eight months he establishes a precedent that the opposite can occur. I also want to preempt one thing. There might be people who think, "Oh well, what they, this company is always trying to build stars. What they're going to do with Action Andretti when they've got five hundred other people on the roster?" That was not the aim here. The aim is how does Jericho react to this loss? And you're not building a star. You're deliberately building a guy who has the currency now to lose, 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 infrequently. But people take him seriously. People like him. People will want him to win. And he's a good guy for heels to beat up now.
1: That's Mm. what they've built. Not a new star. That's not the intention here. And ironically, yeah, him losing... Makes his win over Jericho even better and makes Jericho more pissed off. You lost to that guy, and I couldn't beat you. Yeah, yeah,
3: his slump. This is how he—he's a—he's a bastard. He gets me. His slump is interesting. Mm. I really. Chris Jericho has landed himself a new fascinating story. Fancy that? <laughs> <laughs> like but, but this—but this is how he does it. Because I am sort of. Yeah. Ah, yeah, I kind of want to watch how this plays out. Yeah,
1: you absolute bastard. Just reminding me there, just because we mentioned Monday Night Raw, I did want to give a quick shout-out to Josh Stern, who sent me a lovely email um, after our Raw review saying about how crap the crowd were in Milwaukee. Josh was at the event and said, actually, the crowd did seem loud. But in TV, though, it is a different story. And it was very dead during uh, Candice LeRae versus EOS Sky. So that match was a little bit awkward. And thank you as well. Didn't need to do this. Josh sent us a lovely screenshot of his five-star rating on Spotify. I like the proof, our legend. So thank you for that, Josh. And if you want to send us a five-star Review, review something uh, short, crap, and wrestling-related for us to review instead of a dead match on Monday Night Raw. Uh, you can do so on uh, Apple Podcasts, or you can just screenshot your screenshot your five stars on Spotify. We need the proof. Yeah, obviously. Uh, and then just email me, your review, Wilborn at whatculture.com. Ricky Socks is backstage. He woke up today knowing that he's the man tonight. He gets his shot. This is happening in his backyard. Feels, uh, he feels prepared. This is happening here. Uh, from the first day he got here, talks about his long road, Talk about breaking his neck, uh, sitting at home, And uh, made sure he'd make it here to tell us he was going to win a world title. He's paid his dues for 11 years. All that comes to a head tonight. Last week was nothing new to him. You see, he does this in his sleep. um, Letting people know who he is since day one. MJF tries to find validations in the ratings and the draws. No one cares. He says they care about Ricky Starks stomping their ass tonight. Uh, he's got a lot riding on the line tonight, a lot of people looking up to him, but uh, MJF doesn't know what that feels like. He's got him. make fun of him all you want. He is a reflection uh, of what MJF wants to be from head to toe. He's the man. He's going to prove to MJF why he's the coldest mf you've ever seen, uh, the uh, stylist, the AEW champion, Ricky Starks. Don't forget the name because no one is going to forget the face.
3: I was super impressed with this because it didn't really exist for the MJF match. It existed for everything afterwards. Ricky Stark's going into a defeat we could kind of all see coming has to be still on a level after the fact. And the range of like awesome babyface traits that will serve him well, like as and when, regardless of what happens with this Chris Jericho problem, I'm being cynical, it might work. It's just not got an awesome track record. But either way, like he here was Um, Like, cool and cocky as a babyface, but also really affable and humble, and he hid it quite well, so he didn't damage his credibility. Like, sometimes a babyface rah-rah speech can feel just like that, and then you don't take it seriously, but this is the stuff, and last week's promo, this will be the stuff you remember, beyond the MJF feud and into the next sort of three or four programmes he's in, and it just feels like Moxley's this, like... What's the, like, I always think five-tool player, but it seems like Marcus should have more tools. What's the sports cliche, is it? He's a five-tool player. Five-tool player. Like, Starks is making himself that Mm. five-tool player, and those are the guys that end up, like, on top of the industry because that's who the promoters are always looking for, and he's done it even in defeat and even in kind of an obvious defeat at that. He's done a tremendous job of, like, presenting himself as one of them.
1: Uh, we get a recap of the uh, insane dog collar match from Final Battle Our Final Battle review still available. What dressing, Wherever you get your podcast from. Apologies on that review that I completely forgot to mention. FTR's white gear that will, be, that will live with me yeah. forever. That worked quite well. Um, and FTR bring up the Ass Boys Gun Club as they're going to call them. Risk goes on main by the way. At first, I think the the reference by
2: name last week. I think did they show them actually? Or did they just show FTR's selling of the Briscoes? I can't recall. I wasn't paying that much attention. be some sad irony if, like, <coughs> one true actual megastar Ring of Honor act. Can, uh, the ice is now melted and they get onto EW. Tony Khan's kind of like, well, have them, thanks very much. That's what I said in the review. The one thing I've given a toss about, I've liked a lot of ROH this year, but the one thing that's distinct to ROH and makes it feel worthwhile is, oh, I'll get to see the Briscoes. Mm. And now you,
1: <laughs> you might just take them. Yeah. Uh, this is the gun club are desperate for attention. All those daddy issues. Um, they have nothing FTR wants, but if building a legacy means going through them, then so be it. And they're covered in huge plasters, obviously because they got busted wide open, wide open. Uh, this was the Chris Jericho temper tantrum. And then the Ricky Starks warming up whilst MJF gets a massage and looks at his phone. And then it was followed by the grudge match Ruby. Soho versus Tay Mello. Um, Melo does that entrance with Sammy Guevara, and Taz says, they shared their lunch? Um, always good, that. Ugh. They brawl around ringside. Yeah, Taz's reaction, not the, yeah. Uh, they brawl around ringside before the match can officially begin. Uh, Melo drives Soho into the railing at the ring steps. They get in the ring, and Bryce Remsberg asks Soho if she's good to go. She's like, yeah, I really want to kick this. Anyway, uh, Melo runs straight into su- back suplexes by Soho. Uh, goes for the no-future kick. That gets blocked. Mello bails. She's trying to leave the match, basically. Soho cuts her off on the ramp, goes for destination unknown, but Mello counters and hits the DDT on the ramp to take us to a break. When we come back, they're just trading really stiff strikes. Um, Mello chucks her about. Gotch-style pile driver gets her a two-count, goes for the take Soho blocks it, uh, hits her with a knee to the face, and plants her with destination unknown, for the one, two, three, but she can't celebrate finally getting one over on the woman who broke her nose. Because immediately, Anna Jay storms down from ringside, attacks Soho, and hits her with a gory bomb.
2: The fans were into this. Mm. So I was kind of as a result. It wasn't a blow-away great match or anything. But I think it was really encouraging to see Ru- Ruby Soho get an actual reaction. Like a second chance for her. And... Um, on fight, I don't know if it was a planted sign. I hope it wasn't, because it would have shown great instincts from uh, Tay Mello, Ty I don't know what it is. Um, ripped it up and was just a really good heel throughout this. Um, solid in a way that I liked because it was nice and encouraging rather than just, like, there. I was, like, a little bit higher on this. I um,
3: was quite impressed with... Uh, maybe it was lowered expectations from Ruby Soho's... Slightly flawed first run. The fact that they were, the women were in an unfortunate position where if you're a blood feud, but then you're dropped in the same segment where meaningless matches are every week, it's, you've already got like an uphill battle. But I thought the choice to have a load of stuff happen before the bell was inspired. Mm. The violence felt real. They were hitting hard. And that goes such a long way when you're trying to sell this. Proper, proper conflict. I just felt proper conflict. I didn't like Anna Jay attacking after the bell because I don't want... That had a lot of, like, this feud must continue vibes about it when it was supposed to be final. But I think it would be unfair to tar the match with that brush, to be honest. I thought, like, right, you kind of help yourselves and there's not much going on, so you might as well... They're probably thinking, well, we might as well. But I kind of wish they hadn't because the match would have stood alone as an actual
1: payoff to something. Mm
3: -hmm. The women were fighting like this was the end of the line. And that's why I didn't like the post-match so much because I thought the work was pretty strong.
1: One last thing to do before we move on then. It's time to play play the game!
2: Time to play the game! game. (laughs) (laughs) Useless. Oh, should we do this at karaoke? It's not useless. She was really over at WrestleMania 37 and I think she should have been a heater this whole time.
3: (laughs) She's a homeowner.
1: And that's the main thing. (laughs) She's got her own house. I might do this karaoke a bit later on. Awesome. What course. heads, Triple H thing. Excuse me, man. you got my Reds Triple H See, It's Uh-oh. all about my... G- <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the reason we are doing that is, of it's course... well, before to suck my gack.
2: Well, before... <laughs> it's all about <laughs> my gack. And how you're sucking. It's <laughs> all about my gack. <laughs> and if you can...
1: you f- got the mouth. i g- keep sucking too slow. <laughs> um... <laughs> What is the name of the game? Well, the aim of the game... Oh, sorry. Yeah, we have to do that. First. The aim
2: of the game before we get to the name of the game. The aim of the game to the hour, minute, second, we want to satirize with a harsh, glaring, journalistic light how apathetic and obligatory the women's action on Dynamite is. The aim of the game is to correctly identify the minute, hour, minute, second, of the first time you hear the first woman's entrance theme, Right. The idea being that if we nail it, it really becomes, ah, oh, it's actually very formulaic. I was six seconds off the other week. We are proving the point week yes. by week by
1: week. 30 by week. seconds off last week, yeah. So, to
2: make this depressing game that no one actually wants to win mm-hmm. that little bit less depressing, we came up with a jingle in which we expressed the name of the game, and that is, well, this is Ladies Night, and I'm
1: thinking no word in Night. What were the predictions? Should I do the predictions for all Skulls? Yeah, let's run through the predictions because I was one that I was baffled by. Yeah, it's like it's like he hasn't even been watching the show, or he lost, took leave of his senses. What
2: have you guys been up to, eh? Hey, go on. I, don't know, I was receiving a WhatsApp message. Um, <laughs> so, in descending order do you or Robert ascending she, order?
3: Do you remember how much you kicked off where this was done without you that one week? <laughs> <And> like right. <laughs> pull Table Cedric bringing right. his
2: rage to the podcast. That's what I'm doing, bringing his rage. Adam Wilborn had one hour 17 minutes 33. Sedgwick had one hour 20 15. And, and a curious thing because mm. one hour 54 22. <laughs> you know, I, I just don't get this. No. We were speculating about whether he
1: thought was going to be a standby match. Or whether he thought that they'd wrap the main event and then go, right, oh, you're five minutes.
3: Well, clearly I just thought six minute dynamite main event. Yeah. I was really locked into the blood feed. That's what it was. So. Yeah.
1: Apparently apparently so. <laughs> uh, so thank you as always to Adam Blair at Adam Wilton for who make sure you listen for the Dynamite Review next week, because he has sent me something very special that I'm gonna drop on that, and these boys have no idea what that is, but thank you as always, Adam yeah, Wilton. i will be stressed about the next. Uh, Adam Blair, I'm I'm I aka stressed. at Adam Wilton for um for for taking care of all the oh god. Data. Thank you, yeah, for this. Uh, and it's a win for Michael Sidgwick. Uh, one hour, 21 minutes, uh, 19 seconds. So one minute, four off. We are getting closer. The day we get, we'll get the time further away. Further away. <laughs> yeah. But we get like minute, a minute off, six seconds off. 30. Like we're it, we're in and around the right sort of area, yeah. and the day that we get it, or <laughs> whichever comes first, either we get the time exactly right to the minute, hour, minute, and second, or I don't know. Tony can book two women's matches on Aiden <laughs> missed timeline. opportunity
3: this week, wasn't it? Like that title matches, you could do that now. could oh, doing that this week. This was
1: a chance, I think, this week. Yeah, yeah blew s- it. Six correct guesses for Hamlet. Seven for Sidgwick, and an unassailable nine for me, winning the competition that no one wants to win. <laughs> uh, right, backstage with Hangman Adam Page. Oh, my God, preemptive. Oh, my God. Um, On you know. a line with Scissor that Slap nuts. I don't know how a wrestler topped it, but they did in this promo. So he's talking about when he got concussed, uh, and he said he was he was out snoring, I think he said, laid out for 60 seconds. A horrid,
2: mm. but very effective uh, mm. image he conjured with that.
1: The death rattle, they call it, isn't it? Mm. Scary. So he's in the ambulance, and they're, they're asking him questions like they often do when people have had head injuries, and he's, he's fine. He knows what day it is. He knows what he was doing. He knows where they are, for example, and slowly he's talking about coming back to life, basically. And uh, then one of the EMTs uh, hands him his phone and uh sorry, I'm completely undercut. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: No gravity left.
1: Love taking the piss out of medical professionals, what you do, that's the, uh. <laughs> um, hands him his phone Picture of his sons there And he says what, Is that your boy? What's his name? What's his name? And he realises He couldn't remember it He didn't know what it was He says I've been to hell That was hell Moxie if you want to fight me I'll fight you But if you're tempting Me to go to hell I'm going to take you with me This was Heavy stuff Sig. Oh boy he, Hamlet's got Hamlet's talked to me about this so I'm going to hand
2: it to him he's got a great take on this
3: we just wrestlers sell and some of them sell well some of them sell daft but the point is is that they're obviously suffering physical pain it's really hard sometimes to imagine what that pain might be unless it's like if a wrestler got a paper cut for example in an anarchy
2: in the ring type thing i go oh god because I oh, the lego the lego one in yeah. um, arcade anarchy you
3: it know what these the th-
1: Eddie Kingston alcohol gel for me always yeah. gets me way worse than some of the other stuff it's
3: like as much as like Kenny Omega in a compression vest and kinesio tape is cool, and I get it, and I'm enjoying watching it. It's all very much at a distance because I've never done anything physical in my life that has required a compression vest or kinesio tape. I'm a parent, and the prospect of forgetting my son's names would be horrifying. Like I was immediately transported to what that feeling mm. might be like. And wrestlers use hell all the time. Like um, we're going to go to hell together, and only one of us is going to come out. Like that's not hyperbolic. That is hell. That is a human relatable thing, and like, you got I'm saying, a hyperbolic saying it. With <laughs> well played, that's too. really good. That, that's more undermining than the MT thing. Yeah. My, point, yeah, my point is dead now. Yeah. Uh, that's hell. That this is hell. Like Cedric has just put me in hell, <laughs> and one day I'm hoping he does the same as me, and I get to take him with me. Um, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And it's not just a parent thing; you can imagine that with a loved one. Like I've never had a concussion, I never want one, and Helen Pages has given me another reason why that is tremendous.
1: Yeah, really, really good stuff, this. Uh, and then we are uh, also backstage Dustin Rhodes, Best Friends, and uh, what do they call him, the spooky guy? Yeah. Danhausen Housen, basically. Uh, and they're going to face uh, Kip and Butcher and Blade and all and Trent Seven on uh, Rampage. Oh, which boy. Which we'll preview we'll tomorrow. Trent Seven's pretty good, so that's annoying. Yeah. Uh, and we love Butcher and the Blade after that. If you haven't seen the promo, Hey, tag teams! <laughs> check out the, the, is it on Twitter? He will it be on Twitter somewhere, but it was on Dark
2: Elevation. Yeah, <laughs> Tell them,
1: but Just the best self-aware, we want to be an 80s tag team mm-hmm. material ever. They say your ass is grass and we're going to smoke it. What are they referring to there, Sitch? Stoned already. Uh, marijuana. Right, got it.
2: Bed <laughs> time. You wouldn't go to the butchers if you had the munchies, would you? That's me asking you a
3: question. Oof. Like, go Going go and get food that you've got to cook.
2: No, no, like, no. Nice. Get a takeaway. need it right it. now, yeah. I'll tell you a very bleak story, okay? Great. After the podcast. <laughs> yeah.
1: This is when we launch our Patreon. Is, is it as bleak,
3: bleak? I think it might be my lowest moment of all time. Is it as bleak as the feeling I get when I pass that shop near my favourite music venue that we've talked about before because I visualise... Yeah,
1: yeah. A time in your life, I love that stuff. It's on that level. It's on that level. Every time I see it, I smile. You're going to hate this. I'm going to hate it.
2: You're
1: going to love it. MJF versus Ricky Starks, their main event. Winner takes all for the world title and the beautiful I'm in ring, of course. Um, MJF starts off by taking the piss out of Ricky Starks' pose and doing a strut. So Starks mows him down with a shoulder tackle. Um, MJF, uh, they're fighting on the outside. MJF says, I've had enough of this. Uh, Bails into the crowd. Gets the the perfect heel reaction. Fans are throwing popcorn. He's throwing pop- popcorn back at them. He eventually decides, all right, I probably should get back in the ring. But on the way back, I'll just chuck someone's hat away because, yeah, bollocks to that. Starks gets some near falls in there and then MJF eye pokes him and goes after the previously horrifically injured ribs, of course, of Ricky Starks. He gets hung over the top, sent to the floor, uh, and we go to the final break. When we come back, MJF's working the ribs like only a classic heel can. So he's doing the... The abdominal stretch. And uh, there's the... it. Like, I love the amount of time they took with this. So anytime the referee checks, he takes his hand off the top rope that he's using for leverage. Anytime the ref's not looking, he's basically... Uh, and the crowd are like, he's going to do it! And he does it. And Ricky Stock sells, I love that. Maybe just because I love both these guys. Um... Uh, eventually gets caught, gets his hand kicked off there. Starks comes back, hip toss, lariat, um, tries to spring some offense together, um, hits a tornado spinning flatliner. MJF, uh, well he goes to the Rochambeau, MJF tries to flip out of it, so Starks just picks him up again and hits a great sit out power bomb for a nice two count. Starks gets driven into the corner, MJF double stomps the arm, just trying to soften him up, basically. They trade roll-ups. MJF gets a big old handful of tights at one point. Um, MJF hits a powerbomb onto his knee and folds him up. Starks just manages to get the shoulder up. It looks like uh, MJF's sort of toying with him slightly, and then Starks starts fighting back, and they have a big uh, slugfest. Um, Starks gets discus forearmed, bounces the ropes, and hits like a desperation spear to take them both down to a nice pop from the crowd. Um, Starks gets, goes to recover, but MJF suddenly grabs him and puts him in salt of the earth. So he's got one arm. Oh, you're going to break that arm. Using the other arm to reach the ropes, and then um, MJF gets that one away as well. So Starks starts trying to use his leg to get to the ropes. That gets pretzeled up by MJF, and Starks just gets to the ropes uh, with his other foot. Uh, MJF tries for a bridge, looks for a powerbomb. Starks flips out of it, looks for Rochambeau. And MJF just runs and hides behind referee Paul Turner. As Starks shoves the referee away, though, of course, MJF kicks him in the dick, as we mentioned earlier, rolls him up. One, two, three. MJF retains the world title, retains, regains, however you want to describe it, the dynamite diamond ring. Um, celebrates up the ramp and then Brian Danielson's music hits MJF hightails it out of the arena Danielson almost gets his hands on him MJF dives into the crowd runs up the steps and stands with his belt held high uh, whilst Danielson helps Starks up to his his feet and holds his hand in the air to close the show
2: there were some sloppy moments, there's no getting around it, where I was a bit removed from the action. But otherwise, this was such a well-told story. And I apologize in advance because it's such a cliche. But, you know, some wrestlers can get more out of an abdominal stretch than uh, any kind of uh, dropping people on their heads, right? That's true in this it's instance. True. My God. Some things vindicate the old boring bastards. <laughs> yeah, I know. They. Some yeah. things vindicate the old boring bastards because MJF generated it's like uh, the execution of that chin lock. I don't care, no one's reacting to it. I don't care how snug it is. He got the reaction and did the very basic, simplistic elements beautifully right. If you look at the way that uh, Ricky Starks' arm was angled, it was like, uh, I know it's meant to hurt your abdominal, but actually, shoulders can get separated here. Like, the execution was just so great on that abdominal friggin' stretch. Yeah. And it wasn't just the teasing to go to the ropes because everyone was doing the whole panto. No, 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 no thing. But on the last one, he did the bird flip and then went to do it. So he's just like a conductor, like an actual conductor getting this noise from this absolutely wonderful crowd. Make that the residency for Christ's sake. (laughs) It was so good. Yeah. Um, And as well, I like the story beat of, they were telling you that Ricky Starks can get flustered. He can get all up in his feelings. He's very, very emotional and impulsive in there. So if you're MJF, master manipulator heel strategist, you're going to pretend that you're out for the count for this, like, 10. And then when the pinfall happens, then you can do the, uh, the salt of the earth. What a good dickhead heel trick that didn't undermine the baby face because the baby face, if anything, it's good that he's in his emotions. It's good that he's not the sociopath that he's facing. So, yet yeah, a few moments where I was like, oh, God, get on the same page, lads. But the layout was majestic here, and they did the hockey fight, and it wasn't a cliche. It felt like they hated each other, which is so difficult to do.
3: Yeah, I agree with all of that. Like I thought the urgent was sublime. This crucially felt like Ricky Stark's first crack at MJF was not his last one. Yeah, we like talked the,
1: about that yesterday. Sorry to interrupt on the uh, future champions of 2023. Still available to us right now. What Culture interesting where, where you get your podcast from. Um, yeah, well, we talked about Where it. is it available Oh, on uh, Apple Music, Spotify, uh, Amazon Music, all there. Uh, all, the, all the good places. Uh, Podbean. Uh, they're actually bloody working today. Um,
3: and. Uh, <laughs> Shoot, shooting on Podbean on Men. They could be on the Christmas party day as well.
1: Yeah, better be. Um, <laughs> and yeah, uh, it was one of those people that we said, and this match sort of uh, c- can relate to that. Like, This didn't have a finish. It did have a finish, but it didn't have a satisfactory finish, so you absolutely could run it back next year.
3: It's just, I think, they would be daft not to try and, like, with these guys that are so young, and this, in itself, I always say this, whenever there's a main event that kind of, like, expresses what AEW existed for, so you look at the combined age of these two being about 50, and the fact that they're, like, relatively unknown before AEW, Mm. so certainly as TV wrestlers, they're completely unknown. You know, if you're like clued into independent wrestling or particular co- smaller companies like this is an AW an all AW originals main event effectively proof of concept there absolutely yeah and I, I love it when they book these types of main events in like big stakes as well the world title because it doesn't have to just be the one it can they can come back to it, and they should um the the point about the abdominal stretch and other elements of this match like the the boring old bastards being right they don't know how right they are because AW will, AW crowds will be more receptive to the old ways pro wrestling worked. Like, gotta miss CM Punk, because his matches were full of stuff like this. Like, remember the reactions the Power Slam stuff got when he was teasing that? Yeah. Early and MJF is obviously, of course, he's a punk guy, and there are others like them. Like, more of this, because it's... The old, the boring old bastards, the point they're trying to make is in bad faith, because they're on a grift, ultimately. But it is true. Like, you can, like, make your clock last longer, and take less bumps, and make stuff work, because fans want to believe... And the abdominal stretch thing, never in my life have I ever questioned what it is about pulling the ropes that particularly ups the tension. I was just told it at a very young age and watched baddies doing it and hated them for cheating. And that's all that's needed from day one to now. And I loved getting to watch that. And I loved immediately MJF being the, being the champion Triple H believed he was while calling himself a Triple H world champion. Triple H thought he was doing this in these horrendous 20-minute boring title defences against Kane and Goldberg. Oh, God. But MJF is talking like he's doing it, where he's actually doing something far more entertaining. Yeah. So it's the platonic ideal of what I want out of this MJF title run. I cannot wait for this with a Brian Danielson, and that's not a knock on Ricky Starks. No. It's just you're going like, to the next level pro wrestler who won't be fooled by the tricks. So, so then what have you got? Like, I love the idea of how he's going to have to do the exact same thing, but up his game all over again. Like, I cannot wait to watch it. And MJF will have the better, I imagine, pure wrestling match with a bit of cheating uh, with Brian Danielson than Chris Jericho did. Mm. Like, they were trying to do that. Uh, was it, um, forget No, It was all out. All out, yeah.
2: Don't <laughs> forget the one they had afterwards, though. That was far better. Yeah, far they better. had an amazing match after that. Like, I think they'll hit a
3: much higher ceiling. And I think that's like, again, to MJF's immense credit, there cannot be anybody left that doesn't think he's one of the best wrestlers in the world.
1: Right, let us know your thoughts on AEW Dynamite on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE, Watch actually okay. you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at... Michael Hamlet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to what Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from, uh, for daily wrestling podcasts. Me and Sitch will be back tomorrow to preview... Um, we're going <laughs> to gonna go. be maybe not the sharpest no maybe not most jazzed tomorrow <laughs> we're off to the what culture christmas party uh, but for now this has been the dynamite review my thanks to the dadly boys thank you for joining us and we'll see you soon